Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. We are reading the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 6. We read verses 1 and 2, and we read verse 14. And then we read the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. We read verses 4 and 5. Second Chronicles, chapter 6. Then says Solomon, The Lord has said that he will dwell in the thick darkness, but I have built an house of habitation for thee, and a place for thy dwelling forever. So obviously this was during the time when after Solomon has finished building the house of the Lord and he was consecrating the house and he was praying. And part of that prayer is in verse 14. And Solomon said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in the heaven nor in the earth, which keepest covenant and showeth mercy unto thy servant that walketh before thee with all their hearts. Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 4 to 5 we see Nehemiah praying after Nehemiah had the damning report from Jerusalem where the remnant was suffering and Jeremiah and Nehemiah, Nehemiah began to pray. And this is one of the part of the prayer of Nehemiah. And it came to pass when I heard this word that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the Lord of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that loveth him and observe his commandment. One of the things I want you to see in these two prayers is what they have in common. And by the way, this is something that is common to the prayers that you will read of people that pray to God in the Old Testament. Both of them pray to the Lord God Solomon prayed to the Lord God of Israel, and he said, There is no, li- no God like thee in the heaven. And Nehemiah prayed to the Lord God of heaven. So they are praying to the God of heaven. Okay? And the God of heaven, the Lord God of heaven, he is the God of Israel. But what I want you to see is how they qualify God. They said, He is God that keepeth covenant and show it mercy. That is what Solomon said. He said, God, you keep covenant and you show mercy unto thy servant that walk before thee with all their hearts. And Nehemiah says that God keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandment. Obviously, you know the reason why I read those scriptures because in previous teaching, we have been talking about covenant. And we have seen six basic elements of covenant in the ancient Near East, and we have also looked at the basic pattern of covenant in the Bible. Now that we have seen the element of covenant, what we want to do now is to actually go back again to the question of covenant in creation. Okay, 
Can we see the concept of covenant in the book of Genesis? Does the creation story that we read in the book of Genesis, does it present this concept of covenant? Because it is true that the word covenant was not used in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And we said that we said the same thing, isn't it, when we were looking at the concept of kingdom. And we said that the word not being used in Genesis chapter 1 Genesis chapter 2 is not unusual because the act of covenant is not disproved by the lack of using the word. The lack of the terminology covenant does not disprove the fact that the concept of covenant was there in creation. Because when you read the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, where obviously covenant was being was been was being, you know, dealt with, the word also was not used. Okay, and we need to understand that the word covenant doesn't have to be present for a covenant to exist. What we need to do is to look for the basic element of covenant and to look for covenant language in those events. And that will let us know whether the concept of covenant is being dealt with in that situation. And this is the reason why we have taken our time to look at the basic element of covenant, one in the ancient Near East and also in the Bible. So we have seen, we can see very clearly that some of these elements of covenant are clearly present in the you know, creation story of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. For one thing, there were two parties. There was God on one side and there was Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were representing the posterity the, that were going to come after them. So Adam and Eve, they were representative human beings because they were representing humanity. So for one thing, we saw that there were two parties in this story. Also, God as co covenant God gave stipulation and requirement and demanding that Adam and Eve refuse to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, remember what we said that in covenant, there was no negotiation. It is the higher party that actually determines the terms and the requirement of the covenant. And that is exactly what we saw in the book of Genesis. It is God himself, it is the Lord God himself that gave the stipulation and the requirement of the covenant. Furthermore, there were cursing and blessing for disobedience and obedience. God told them that if they eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil in dying, they will die. But if they obey, they will enjoy life forever with God. And we can read all that in the book of Genesis chapter 2. So, so straight away, we saw that we are beginning to see some of the elements of covenant, even in the book of Genesis. Other scriptures also support the presence of covenant in creation. So previously, we look at Genesis chapter 6 to 9, and we said that the language that was used indicated that the Noahic covenant was a renewal of the covenant that God had with Adam. That the, the, the covenant, the Noahic covenant, actually the way it was expressed shows that it was a continuation, it was a renewal, it was not a new covenant. The sense is that it was a renewal of the covenant that God had with Adam and Eve in the beginning rather than something that is completely new. So, so other scriptures support the presence of covenant in creation. Also, when we look at Hosea chapter 6 verse 7 in Amplified, 
but they, like Adam, have transgressed the covenant and they have dealt treacherously against me. Now, there are some translations that say, that put it like men or like that put it as if a place, but very careful understanding of the Hebrew word used in Hosea chapter 6 verse 7 shows that I was talking about Adam and many, many translations got it right. But they, like Adam, have transgressed the covenant. And that verse is showing us that actually Adam transgressed God's covenant because God covenanted with Adam and Eve from the beginning. And ERV also said, but the people broke agreement as Adam did. The people broke agreement as Adam did. So this scripture definitely recognized the fact that, that the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve in the beginning was a covenantal relationship. And when we read Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 21, a covenant in creation is supported by Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 21 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 21 to 22. In both of them, Adam and Christ are portrayed as representatives. They were covenantal head of the group of people that they represent. The covenantal representation as we, as we see in the rest of the Bible. Okay, These are covenantal representatives. And we see this same example all across the scripture. And Paul used covenant language in presenting Adam as a covenant mediator whose action obviously represent his family whose action actually affects the whole of his family. So I'm going through all this for us to realize that the Bible definitely presents to us that the relationship that God had with creation and that the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve was a covenant relationship. That we can see that there are evidence for covenant in creation. There are clear evidence for covenant in creation that when God created, God covenanted and that the relationship that God has with humanity from the beginning is a covenantal relationship. Why? Because God is a covenant making and God is a covenant keeping God. And this is very, very important. So what I'm going to do now is to push this even a little bit further because what we will then say is that now we are not going to go into that today, but I just want to mention it here, that when we then move out of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 after Adam 4, when we then move out from the fall of Adam until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will see that God established about six major covenant with his people in different period of history that God did not just do covenant at the beginning that from the fall of Adam to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ there were a series of major covenants that God made with his people at various times and at various period in history and the Bible recorded for us six such major covenant now here we are just going to list them we will discuss each one of them when we reach there appropriately in this series of teaching. Okay, but before I list this six major, remember the emphasis here is major. This six major covenant that God made throughout history from Adam to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to make some general comment about these covenants. Now, these covenants are renewer 
an extension of the covenant that God made with humanity represented by Adam and Eve, and that each one of these underscores a particular aspect of man's responsibility as God's image. So it is important for us that, to know that these covenants, as we go through them, they are renewed an extension of the covenant that God made with Adam in the beginning. That this sub-covenant, as we call them, they are new version of the original Adamic covenant rather than an entirely new or independent covenant. This shows the historical progress of God's purpose for creation, that it is the purpose for which God created the world and came into relationship with humanity, it is that same purpose that God pursued throughout history. So this showed the historical progress of God's purpose for creation. This covenant reveals God's administration of men's affair in the Adamic world system and the guide history towards Christ. Here, I will list all those sub-covenants. So obviously, we have number one, we have the Adamic covenant. And then we have the Noahic covenant, then we have the Abrahamic covenant, then we have the Mosaic covenant, we have the Davidic covenant, and then we have the new covenant. Now remember these are six major covenants that are revealed to us over the course of biblical history up to our time. I will go over them again. We have the Adamic covenant, obviously the name that we call those covenant clearly expressed the person and the timing of those covenants. So the Adamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. Obviously, the new covenant made in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to understand again, I'm going to stress this, that these covenants are renewal and extension of the covenant that God made with humanity even at the beginning. And God has to come on the scene and renew it with new generation of humanity, with new generation of people, so that that covenant can be renewed and extended with each one of this new generation of individual because something went wrong, okay? And we have Adamic, Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, and the new covenant. So as we move on in our study, we will use this concept of covenant and kingdom to study the historical progress of God's purpose in the history of mankind. So we are going to use this concept of covenant. This is this is why it is important for us to understand this concept. Okay, to understand this concept. As we go through this concept, it's going to help us, as it were, to understand the historical progress and to help us have you know, have an handle of the unfolding of God's purpose in history of mankind. And this is very, very important. As God come into covenant with Adam, with Noah, with Moses, with David, and ultimately in the new covenant, it helps us to understand the, the, the plan and the purpose of God. So we've looked at the concept of kingdom and we've looked at the concept of covenant. And these two concepts actually help us to understand the history of the Bible. Okay, these two concepts are foundational and fundamental to the revelation that we see 
in the Bible. And we will not understand, and I mentioned this the last time, and I'm going to mention it again. We will not understand the Bible. We will totally misunderstand the Bible if we don't understand this concept of kingdom and if we don't understand this concept of covenant. Oftentimes, what tends to happen is that we are apt oftentimes to read a part of the scripture in isolation. And one of the burden and desire of my heart is for us to read every part of the scripture in the light of the epic story of the Bible. You know, oftentimes people want to talk about prosperity, people want to talk about healing, people want to talk about our needs being met, our deliverances, and rightly so. But the problem oftentimes is that people go into extreme and into error when we take out this concept, when we take them out of the big picture, when we don't preach them against the background of the big picture of the moving story of the epic story of the Bible. The epic story of the Bible is about the king and his kingdom who has come to us in a relationship of covenant. The king and the king, the king of the kingdom who has the plan and a purpose and who has brought us into a covenantal relationship with himself so that his purpose can be fulfilled. And that is very, very important. And that is why when we when we go to the New Testament and we read, you know, the, we, we, we read the, 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 the prayer our lost prayer how did it start our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven then give us this day that is the foundation that is the foundation of the bible is our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come. You know, the thing is that oftentimes we say God is our father. God is our friend. God is our healer and rightly so. But you need to understand that foundationally and fundamentally God is the king of the kingdom. So God is your father, but is a father king. God is a healer, but he's a healer king. You see, we need to understand this concept of kingdom. Oftentimes, the problem oftentimes is because we are strangers to the biblical concept of kingdom, because we are strangers to the biblical concept of covenant. This is why we, we separate this concept of the fatherhood, the provision, you know, the protection of God from his kingship. Listen, the reason why God provides is because he is the king. The reason why God fights for us is because he is our king. The reason why God is our father is because he is the king. He is the father king. He is the provider king. All this concept, a concept of kingdom, a concept of kingdom, they are expression of the kingship of God. In those days, the king goes to war and fight for his people. In those days, the king provides for his people. And this is very, very important for us to understand. And remember where we started from. You remember the two scriptures that I read when we started reading today. Let me put them back on the screen for us so that we can look at it. Remember that, that prayer is the prayer of Solomon and the prayer of Nehemiah. They said, Solomon said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in the heaven nor in the earth, which keepeth covenant and showeth mercy unto thy servant that walk before thee with their heart. And Nehemiah said that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe 
his commandment. Now, this is very, very important. God is the king of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of the Holy Spirit, God the king, Jesus the king, Holy Spirit the king, God is king. We need to understand is the king of the kingdom and it is because god is the king of the kingdom and because the god the king is a good god is a god that shows mercy is a god is a god that shows love remember what we said about covenant that is a is a it is empirical in covenant that there is a relationship there is an intimate relationship and this god has come into covenant with with us because he loves us for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son it is because of the love of this king that we have that he shows us mercy and he shows us grace amen our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it has been done in heaven. So it is important for us, and that is why I'm stressing this. We need to preach and we need to to walk in the reality of this other teaching that we, we normally do. We need to teach them against the reality and against the understanding of the king, his kingdom, and his covenant. And this is very, very important that our healing and our prosperity and our deliverance must fulfill the purpose and the, the plan of the kingdom. And we need to understand that we experience the provision and the goodness of the kingdom as we walk before him with all our heart, as we love him and observe his com commandments. We need to understand that we are in a covenant relationship with him and that we have to fulfill the the terms and the condition of the covenants and then as we work you remember that was exactly what god told abraham walk before me and be perfect okay he has called us to walk in his word to walk in his word that is all he has called us to to obey him okay to 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 what to let him be the lord to let him be the master and as we walk in obedience to god as we work in his word and, and as we walk in obedience to his word we'll begin to understand and to experience the fullness and the provision of his kingdom and then when we understand this listen to me it will put our suffering in context because you know this is why if we don't understand the concept of kingdom this is why the concept of suffering you know become very strange to us this is why we struggle with the concept of suffering but the people in the book of Acts didn't struggle with this concept of suffering. in fact they rejoice to suffer for christ okay paul said that he is fulfilling in his body the what is left of the suffering of christ no we don't like talking we don't understand the concept of this because we plugged our our christianity and understanding of the Bible, we've plucked it out of the understanding of kingdom and covenant. When we understand that, then a whole lot of these other things will, will really make sense to us. You know, the, the first century Christian, they suffer for Christ and they suffer for him you know, with joy. And in fact, that was one of the way they witnessed for him. Praise the Lord. I think we are, we are going to stop there today. And if you are listening to me today, I want you to know that God loves you is the king and he wants to bless you and we want to start by saving you and making you a son and a daughter in his kingdom but he cannot do that he cannot force you he cannot force you to do that he has made all the provision you have to come to him and say lord 
save me and that's all you have to do just come and ask and and that the way is the cross of jesus just ask jesus to come into your life and be your lord and save and he will come in accept that you are a rebel you are a sinner he will come in he will save you he will take that heart of rebellion out of your heart and he will give you his own spirit you become a son and a daughter of him and he will walk with you and when this is all over you will spend eternity with him in a new heaven and a new earth. do it today because tomorrow may be too late we sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on youtube maranatha teaching channel they will bless you thank you